Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. and the smoke. I have a tape recorder here in my hand. Now, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. Beginning this time with a note of thanks to Aruba Kazmi, whose fine efforts helped bring this podcast to you. She functions as our producer here, a member of the production team in the KCBS Radio Newsroom. This time around, we take a look back at what some people call this silent disaster, the invisible disaster of a freeze. This one in 1990 and 1991, late in December of 1990 and extending into the early part of the new year in 1991, a hard freeze hit California, the Central Valley, and even into the growing regions around Watsonville and Salinas. All told, 200,000 acres of crops destroyed, $3.4 billion worth of damage in 1991 dollars. That works out to closer to $6 billion worth of of agricultural damage in today's dollars. And 100,000 farm workers left unemployed. That led to a KCBS radio special report on May 29, 1991. The title, Bleak Harvest. It looked at the plight of the farm workers whose lives, already in some cases difficult, were made much worse by the freeze. KCBS Radio's Rebecca Corral went to the Salinas-Watsonville agricultural area. The anchor lead-in read on the air that day before Rebecca's report was this. Mention last winter's freeze to any Californians, and the strongest memory you're likely to trigger is a jump in the price of produce at the grocery store. But many of California's farm workers still live with the freeze every day. Acre after acre of destroyed crops have pushed the unemployment rate among field hands to a staggering 25%. That Depression-era unemployment rate is making life even more difficult for people who already struggle just to scratch out a living. KCBS News Radio's Rebecca Corral spent some time in one farm worker community, the Salinas Watsonville area, for this special report, Bleak Harvest. You could hear those sounds in classrooms anywhere in the Bay Area. They could be the voices of your children. But they are the voices of children who sometimes go to bed hungry. Children who have never been to a doctor or a dentist. Children who sleep crowded together with their brothers and sisters in a barn behind an artichoke field. They are the children of California farm workers. Thousands of these children live in shacks and shanties in the midst of the lush Central and Salinas Valleys. These little ones live in Watsonville. They attend the Head Start Daycare Center run by Pam Elders. What would it be like in the worst case to grow up as a three or four year old kid and you know you don't have food at the maybe the last couple of weeks of the month because you've run out of money and you live in a place, uh, a one room place with um, maybe three or four other families. You've never been to a doctor before. Your whole mouth is rotted out because you haven't had any dental care. After 20 years on the job, Elder's eyes still fill with tears when she describes her clients' lives. 
Nearly a third of the children in her program have some kind of nutritional problem. Some are underweight. Others are anemic. Many simply don't get enough to eat. They go to bed hungry more often now that many of their parents are without work since the freeze ruined so many crops. Your parents are struggling to make a living and to make ends meet, so they don't have much time to spend with you or to really look at you and what your needs are. It's not that they don't love you or that they don't care or that they don't have aspirations for you and want you to grow up to be, uh, you know, president of the United States, but they just can't. They've got to eat and make some money. So, you know, if you think of yourself as a kid in that situation, what does that say about the world in general to you? You know, just, just somebody telling you you're not good because you're, you're poor. Uh, I think I, it's just, uh, it's criminal. Another counselor at Head Start, Teresa Jimenez, remembers Jaime Alaya, whose family lost their home in the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. The child had a lot of chronic health problems, especially with his ear, and the parent just couldn't afford to get the child in for medical care. You know, it got to the point where the staff in the center saw the kid's ear draining. That's when he got medical attention. And you're probably looking at some damage to the ear because of, of the inability to be able to afford uh, preventative care. Um, for, for the child. It is ironic, Jimenez says, that so many of these families left their homes in Mexico because they thought they'd find work and a better life here in America. And it is ironic that here, where so much food is harvested every day, these children and their families still go hungry. A study done by the California Rural Legal Assistance Foundation in the Central Valley last year found that most farmworker families, 97%, ran out of food one week out of every month. 89% had to serve smaller portions or skip meals altogether to stretch what little food they had. Even when there is food on the table, home is not always such a comforting place. Vanessa Vallarta, the executive director of the Center for Community Advocacy in Salinas, describes one farmworker community. It sits right in the middle of a strawberry field, practically. This is a small labor camp. About 40 people were living here. As you enter the camp, it's just a, a dirt road. Um, on your right is a kind of a bunch of barn complexes that were housing uh, tractors and stuff like that. That's where a family of six was living in and um, they had no running water in the units, they had no, um, no plumbing, they had no heat, they had um, no electricity other than this uh, extension cord rigged thing that I mentioned. They shared a toilet that um, was outside of the unit, outside of the shack. Um, about 10 feet away. It was in that barn one cold night just last March that Joel Lares and his wife put pajamas on their children, then coats on top of that, wrapped the children in every blanket they owned, then turned the family hot plate on high to try and keep the children warm. They fell asleep. The hot plate ignited the bedding, and in a few moments the entire barn was in flames. Joel Lares ran through sheets of flames to carry his children to safety. Then Lares, his wife, and their children, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven- and an eight-year-old, hid in the strawberry fields for a full hour, severely burned, while firemen battled the flames. 
When paramedics found the family, they were hypothermic. They were airlifted to a burn unit in Santa Clara County, where they were treated in intensive care and remained in critical condition for days. Joel Lares hid his children not to protect them from the fire, but because he was afraid they'd be deported since they have no green cards. We'll take a closer look at how hard these parents work just to survive when we continue with our special in-depth report, Bleak Harvest, on KCBS News Radio 74. The songs coming from a radio on a tractor are the only comforts on the job for the field hands of Watsonville. Those who didn't lose their job to the freeze still spend their days doing the back-breaking work of harvesting our food. Hot afternoons stooped over picking strawberries. Cold mornings slogging through wet fields hauling heavy crates of broccoli and cauliflower. Daryl Nakwa of the California Rural Legal Assistance Salinas Office says even those who have work aren't so fortunate. Their jobs in the fields are made worse by the conditions farm workers face every single day. Conditions they wouldn't dream of complaining about. We found cases where you have a worker who's been poisoned by pesticides, uh, who is afraid to make the report to workers' compensation or to the Department of Labor or to Cal OSHA because they're afraid of losing their job. The fear these immigrant farm workers feel invades every aspect of their lives. It even follows them home. The fear's definitely there. Um, there's fear of uh, eviction. There's fear of rent increases. Um, and those are legitimate, and people can definitely be taken advantage of. Vanessa Vallarta of the Center for Community Advocacy in Salinas is working to improve housing conditions in the area. That's quite a job, considering it was only six years ago in the Salinas Valley that health officials raided a labor camp where field workers were sleeping in caves, showering in contaminated irrigation water, cooking on hot plates outdoors, and using an open hillside for a toilet. Housing advocates say you won't find that in the valley now, but you'll still find plenty of violations and substandard living conditions, like the housing where the Lares family almost died on the strawberry ranch in Castroville. Children still play outside the burned-out barn on the ranch. Families are still living there, and the landowner pleaded no contest this month to charges related to the substandard conditions county health officials say existed there. Vallarta is afraid the law won't come down very hard on the owner, even though the ranch had been cited before by county health inspectors who told the owners they could not let renters sleep in the barn because of unsafe conditions. The owners had no comment for KCBS, but have said through an attorney that they had no idea the Ladesh family was living in the barn. There's no felony for um, housing people in conditions that are so substandard that it might result in a life-threatening kind of uh, consequence. That's a real um, disappointment for me because I think what's needed is a uh, legislative reform. There should be some kind of law in the books that is permits a more serious penalty. But Vallarta isn't content to simply wait for a change in the law. The Center for Community Advocacy is working on a much bigger solution, something that could change housing conditions, job safety, access to health care, just about everything for farm workers. We'll find out more about that process when we continue with our special in-depth report, Bleak Harvest, on KCBS News Radio 74. 
Like many farm workers, Salomon Ramos never got past the sixth grade. When he can find work on the crops not destroyed by the freeze, Ramos spends his days in the fields and his nights helping his wife Yolanda look after their four young children. He's not who you'd expect to become an activist, but in some ways that's exactly what's happening. Ramos's family lives in what passes for an apartment on the Castroville Strawberry Ranch where the barn burned down. And the apartment has seen some improvements since the fire. Yolanda Ramos says they now have a smoke alarm, a ventilator for the stove, and lights that work. But that didn't happen until her husband went to one of the sessions Vanessa Vallarta conducted on the ranch for the Center for Community Advocacy. It's in these sessions, held in the shacks and barns around the valley, that Vallarta and the workers are taking the bold step that could turn life around for the farm workers. Instead of simply coming to the rescue as an advocacy lawyer, she's teaching the workers to rescue themselves. Our approach is to go out to uh, areas where people are living and, um, and hold uh, workshops on kind of know your rights, know your basic rights as a tenant um, are to live in a safe structure, to have safe electrical wiring, to have safe plumbing systems, to have adequate water um, and sanitation. So far, it seems to be working. She's already seen a number of people within the community taking leadership roles. The only way that they will not be overlooked, I think, is if um, they do gain a voice in the process, and that is by discovering it in themselves and not um, really waiting for the government or anybody else to take care of them. The idea of Solomon Ramos and others like him negotiating for their rights may not seem like much, but it is remarkable when you consider that these are people with little schooling and many fears. They worry about losing their jobs, their homes, their very place in this country. Up until now, many of them didn't think they had any rights or any power at all. Vallarta thinks this kind of empowerment goes way beyond repaired smoke alarms and heaters that work. The actual repairs or improvements to a person's unit are, um, to my mind, almost secondary to the improvement in the, the, own, the person's self-esteem and their understanding of what they can legitimately expect. The beauty of this program might even be that farmworker families can take charge of their lives, not just in the housing area, but in, in education, um, and on, whatever, whatever issues happen to um, arise for them. It's an approach Pam Elders is taking at the Head Start Daycare Center in Watsonville. While the children learn their little rhymes, the parents are learning to help themselves. Elders believes this is the only way out of the chain of misery they've gone through for so long. If we do everything for families, they uh, learn nothing. And when they leave, they don't have any more resources, any more personal resources or strength or uh, connections in the community than they had when they came to us. This is why Head Start provides a lot more than childcare. They serve as a sort of catch-all social service reference and referral center, showing parents how they can find affordable medical care, job counseling, and crisis support. We can just change and empower a few people. Um, they'll go on to empower other people. And uh, if we provide kids with a good education and do what we can to uh, address their health needs, you know, hopefully we're, we're turning out some people who are going to... Uh, 
to speak out of their own experience and make other people hear. And it's already happening at the child care center. What's your name? Lydia. What do you want to do when you grow up? Go outside. And do what? Oh, watch the kids. You want to be a teacher? Is that a good job? Yeah. Why do you want to be a teacher? Because Yolanda is. Is Yolanda a good teacher? Yeah. Not one of these children says he wants to pick vegetables when he grows up. Armando. Armando. What do you want to be when you grow up? Police. A policeman? Why? Because they're great. You could hear those dreams for the future in classrooms all around the Bay Area. But for this generation of farm worker children, for the first time, their dreams might just come true. Their parents are also learning to dream. It's no secret to these farm workers that hard work alone isn't enough to make it. But now they're learning that like the rest of us, they have rights. And as these farm workers learn to speak up for those rights, their dreams of a decent place to live, of medical care for their kids, those dreams might also come true. Rebecca Corral, KCBS News Radio. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.